dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. For anyone who has tried, it is obvious that leadership is not easy. Besides skill and opportunity, a leader needs a tremendous amount of steadfastness and just plain grit. In St. Paul's first letter to St. Timothy chapter 4, we see St. Paul encouraging St. Timothy with the full realization that what he has commanded Timothy to do will be hard. May the word of God inspire us to persevere as well. Thanks, everybody, for being here and for giving this chance for God's Word to instruct us. I think it's just incredible to realize that the Word of God speaks to us about leadership, about something that we all have to do and face on a constant basis in our businesses, in our families, and in our society. And sometimes I think we don't take enough advantage of the practicality of the Bible. We kind of make the Bible something that's reserved, you know, for the holy. (laughs) And then we say, well, we're not holy or our focus of our life has to be about practical things. And so we go and we read every kind of leadership book you can possibly read. Uh, You know, go to all kinds of leadership seminars to learn these techniques coming from psychology and counseling and sociology and all that's fine, of course, you know. But like, when was the last time we actually went back and read God's word to get his wisdom on what we have to do as a leader? And I get it. You look at the Bible, you say, well, where exactly is it in there, right? How do I find this passage or that passage? And well, after a little bit of time, you know, you get used to it, but I understand that. I think that that's what I wanted to look with you at 1 Timothy, because in the first letter of St. Paul to St. Timothy, you have a letter of St. Paul back to the person he has asked to lead in his stead to give that person, namely St. Timothy, the advice and the encouragement and also some keen insights for Timothy to succeed with. So of course, this applies to you and me as well, because then all of a sudden we can take that same insight St. Paul gave and just transpose it to our own experiences and to what we're facing in our leadership And amazing things will happen. We're going to let God speak to us. If we're going to let everybody else talk to us, then we need to let God speak to us. And God speaks to us through his word, the Bible, the inspired word of God that we just need to learn to love because every word of God is capable of instructing and sanctifying us and giving us this practicality. Okay, so we're going to be looking at at chapter four here. This is our fourth in our series on 1 Timothy. And it's an amazing chapter because he gives so much encouragement to St. Timothy, encouragement that we need to hear today. So before we go any further, let's go ahead and start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you to bless us during this time together. Fill our hearts with the fire of your love and the insight that your holy word gives us. Encourage us, strengthen us, and bless us this day. We ask this through Christ our Lord. 
Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, everybody, go ahead and open up your Bibles. Let's do this together. 1 Timothy 4. So remember what we're reading here. St. Paul is writing to his beloved and most trusted of disciples, Timothy. And he calls him his son in the faith, for example, you know. And remember, St. Timothy had been with St. Paul through some of St. Paul's worst and hardest moments. He'd walked with him across all of Turkey. He is actually from the town, St. Timothy's from the town, that stoned St. Paul. So Timothy would have certainly seen or known about St. Paul's stoning on his first missionary journey. And when St. Paul comes back to that same town to preach the gospel again, this time Timothy decides to follow him. He's a young man. He's a youth. And yet St. Paul entrusts him with incredible responsibility. I mean, and so you can understand from Timothy's perspective, number one, St. Timothy is playing the role of a second he is not the first guy in the line of fire. He is following St. Paul. And his job was to help St. Paul to succeed in his leadership. And so he's a great role model for all those who are not the CEO per se or in charge of your companies, but for those who manage in their place or cooperate with them. And Timothy had to learn how to let St. Paul shine, St. Paul take the lead, and then how to effectively follow up behind St. Paul to make sure that all that Paul did was, in fact, successful. Because what Paul would do, he would go into an area, he'd begin preaching the word of God, that was his gift. People would then invite Paul into their home. Paul would start teaching a small circle of people. He would begin to form them. They would bring their friends. He'd begin to teach them again, form them, instruct them in the faith, baptize them, get them started, so that there was a community of people who believed in this gospel, and then Paul would leave. <laughs> you're like, this must be nice. This is how it feels. I can understand, right? When you're not the one in charge and you work for the one in charge, because you're like, why don't you just stay in one spot and keep doing what you're good at? Then everyone would be happy. And yet St. Paul, just like our Lord, doesn't stay in one spot. He continues to move on. It's almost like, I, I find it's almost like a concomitant with certain types of talents that they have to stay on the move. It's just, and you wish your boss wouldn't stay on the move because again, life is wonderful. When you're with a talented person, someone who's really got it down, you, you almost just wish that they could do it all. But a lot of times, as we know very well, the people that we follow can't do it all. They're really good at seeing what needs to be done. They're really good at exciting people towards that action. But then they don't necessarily have the follow through to be able to keep things going or the, the ability of spirit to stay in one place long enough to flourish. They need help. People who can take that initial insight that they gave and then bring it to perfection in the circumstances and the vicissitudes of life. This is what the second person does. The follower does. The St. Timothy does. He goes in and working in the same spirit and under the same direction as the founder or as the talented person, right? You need this second person to then come in, this St. Timothy, to knit it all together, to fold it under, to work in many ways in what is a harder job of then bringing growth to it, of defending it from attacks that will come, of nourishing what has already been planted. 
and of establishing it for perpetuity. And this is Timothy's job. And I think it's, it's fascinating. You wonder if St. Paul didn't recognize that this wasn't necessarily where he was the strongest. He even said, I have to go on where no one has preached before. The, the charity of Christ urges me. It impels me forward, right? That's what he says. And so, but St. Timothy wasn't necessarily impelled forward. He was left behind to do that other kind of work. And so you're always in a position where everyone's talking in reference to the first person, right? St. Paul. He must have had an incredible amount of humility. He must have had an incredible amount of love for St. Paul because everybody else did. And yet remember this, Timothy had a job to do that St. Paul was not doing. And that was to stay behind and bring the long-term growth, almost like to work the foundation in, to dig it deeper, to work on it in a more profound way than St. Paul himself could. So this is where you find St. Timothy and our, and St. Paul turns around and he thanks Timothy and he says, here's what you need to do to accomplish this task. And he writes these letters to his disciple, Timothy. And so in a particular way, 1 Timothy chapter 4 emphasizes that it's not going to be easy. And that could be a, such a surprise for us because I think most of us think that doing evangelization is easy. Most of us think that being a good Christian ought to be easy. And we leave the hard part to work, right? You're almost like, when I go to work, that can be hard. But the rest of my life ought to be easy. And then when it's not easy, we think we're doing something wrong. Or we say, you know, because my leadership is challenging and I'm in difficult circumstances and it's going really hard, I must be doing it wrong. St. Paul is here to say, not necessarily. It might just be that the task that you've been given is in fact a hard one. This is Father Nathan. Are you thinking of starting your own business or even better, thinking of starting your own ministry of some sort? As we know, success is not going to be determined solely upon spirituality. It also needs training, networking, understanding, and true leadership. This is why we started the St. John Leadership Institute in Denver, Colorado. Join our class this fall and start your business or your ministry on the right foot. Find out more on our website, stjohnleadershipinstitute.org. All right, everybody, so open up your Bibles then to 1 Timothy chapter 4, and let's dive right in and see what God's Word has for us today. Verse 1, now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. Oh my goodness, what a start. You know, first in chapter four, it's really the, the, the challenges that are going to be in front of Timothy. And Paul begins really by saying to him, the first thing is that you're not going to win everybody. And that's such a, a hardship because he's basically saying, Timothy, you're going to fail if you think you're going to do this perfectly. This is not going to be perfect. Matter of fact, the Holy Spirit himself actually says that some of the people that you've been sent to guard, to promote, to love, right, to keep in the community, some of these people are not going to follow God because there will be other people who will be competing for the microphone, competing for the power position in their society to tell what is right and what is wrong. And that those people, in fact, will succeed. 
Now, that's just really a shocking thing. You say, how could they succeed? You'd almost imagine St. Paul saying like, don't worry, St. Timothy, as long as people know Jesus, everything will be fine. Your job is just to go there and manage the ship and hopefully get people to be nice to dogs and to be nice to birds and to be nice to the mailmen too, right? Like, and so your job is kind of easy, St. Timothy, just go and be nice and God will bless everybody. And that's not what St. Paul says. He's like, the spirit even says that in the later times, some will depart from the faith. Now in Greek, that word is actually, they will apostatize, which is they will be leaving behind the faith. They will reject the faith. Now, this means that Timothy's being sent into a position where St. Paul is telling him straight out, you will not succeed in this at 100%. You can imagine the discouragement. It says like if for any of us, if I were to tell, tell you, you know what, when you're starting your marriage, you're going to have so many fights and you're going to have, and you're going to have so many problems with your kids. You know, this is just not inspirational. And, and yet the Bible is not about inspiring you in a false way. It's about equipping you for leadership. And the very first thing I find so refreshing for St. Paul is that he's looking at the field that he's given to St. Timothy and he says to St. Timothy, there are certain things about this you cannot change. Right? We have to be ready to do something imperfectly if we're going to do anything at all. It reminds me of that great quote by G.K. Chesterton. He said, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. <laughs> and here's St. Timothy. I'm not saying he's doing his job poorly, but I am saying that what an impressive uh, thing to hear St. Paul saying there are those who will fall away because they will, there will be liars who come in and who teach people falsely. Now, this is just an insight for Timothy's particular type of leadership, which is that of a bishop. He has to teach clearly. Timothy will defend the unity of the people and the love and communion amongst the saints by teaching them. We, we don't put enough emphasis on this today, in particular in our society, because today it's almost like many people think that the knowledge belongs to academia and that only scientists can speak authoritatively about things. But when you do that, you remove the ability that you have to lead concrete circumstances. If leadership is about vision and vision only belongs to scientists or only belongs to those who are academics in some university or only belongs to the erudite, then leadership has been removed from the hands of those who are actually on the field. And we know even in business, that's a problem. You want your people who are on the lower levels of the organization to be just as adept and adroit at pivoting and understanding the situation as the people in the central office. When you, when you have a bunch of automatons in the field who are simply responding to orders without intelligence, you have a weaker company culture and a more ineffective system. And so he, in, that's why I think it's so refreshing to see St. Paul looking at St. Timothy and giving him this power and saying to him, you need to know right from the start that you have to become intelligent here and teach well. When you know your faith, my friends, you won't fall away from it. But to those, those who fall away are those who never were schooled with their mind in the truth of the faith. Because when you don't know it, then you can't defend it and other liars will come in and lead you astray. That's just at the level of your Christianity. 
but I want you to be good Christians here. You need to read your Bible, understand your faith, go deeper in it. Because when you do that, then your action is preserved in integrity in following Christ. That's Timothy's job. Right? But I just find it refreshing to see that St. Paul's like, Timothy, it's really hard. And there are going to be people that are going to come in and they're going to try to do just the opposite. Sometimes I think we can be very naive, especially in our families, my friends, because I think it's like we can almost think of our, of our families like plants. If you just water them, they magically grow and bear fruit. But obviously that's not the case. You, if you just let your family culture go, then you are leaving it susceptible to having other influences enter into the family instead of the influence that you want to bring it and have those other influences take your children and your spouse in a whole different direction. And it's not because necessarily that you are bad or you failed. It's just that you did not assert yourself strongly enough. And this is where, you know, it's just like if you leave the Christian community, go St. Timothy, well, there will be liars who will come in and they will tell people the falsehood. There's all kinds of people that are getting into your kids' minds today, folks. And they're telling all kinds of falsehood to your children about marriage, about sexuality, about the relationships that they ought to have with the poor, with the economy. There's every, everybody else seems eager to baptize our children. And yet we are, ourselves sometimes drag our feet. We say, well, you know, it, the kid will decide on their own. I'm like, when you do that, what you've done is you've muted the authority that God has given you to guide your child effectively. And you've allowed someone else to have full access to them. Then you get surprised that they don't believe the way you did or they don't do the things the way that they ought to do them. And I'd like to say, it's well, your job was to teach them. Your job was to reprove them. Your job was to educate them in what was right and what was wrong. And that requires leadership. And the first lesson of leadership in verse one is that it's going to be hard and competitive. Don't give up the fight. The fact that it's challenging doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. The fact that it's challenging might just mean that you're trying to do something right. This is Father Nathan. I know that there are many ways to learn leadership and that there's many great methods out there that are even put forth by Catholics. But here at the St. John Leadership Institute, we actually have a unique way of forming leaders. It's called Audeo. That's Latin for I dare. At our campus in Denver, Catholics can learn an authentically Catholic way to become a leader. Check us out on our website, stjohnleadershipinstitute.org. I love the end here of 1 Timothy chapter 4. There's just something to it that's kind of magical. I think that St. Paul had a real gift for being able to keep the big picture and the big mission always in mind. You almost have this sense with St. Paul that in the concrete individual cases of what they're try he's trying to do and trying to have St. Timothy do, namely lead the Christian community, he sees a bigger perspective. He sees fidelity to God. He sees God's plan being worked out. He sees the salvation of the world happening, right? And that linkage between 
the individual concrete world that St. Timothy lives in of relationships and of people and of teachings and of liturgies, he wants him to see all of that in a bigger perspective. Christ at work through him accomplishing Christ's work. For St. Paul, everything that St. Timothy is doing here is about, it's actually the Lord who's doing it through him and St. Timothy who's doing it as the Lord's instrument. And keeping that bigger perspective in mind and in front of Timothy, he's able to say what to ardently call Timothy to keep focused on the small things that he needs to get done and to attack those small things with ardor. I think what happens usually when you're in a challenging position and where things are going to go wrong in front of you, we want to tend to pull back to say to ourselves that this is not have value. I shouldn't be doing all that I'm doing. It's way too hard. It doesn't have value. And to want to quit. I mean, how many, this is why leadership is so hard to find because it's hard. It's so much easier to simply let someone else take control and to content ourselves with the pleasures of life rather than forsaking the ease of life for the sake of what is good. But the, 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 to claim what is good requires a ton of sacrifice. And St. Paul's pointing out to St. Timothy that if you really want to help your people, if you really want to be the leader God has put you there to be, then you're going to suffer immensely and it's going to be really hard. And you've got to focus yourself on the task at hand and accomplish it with all the ardor possible. If you do the little things, then the big thing will take care of itself, will work itself out through the little things. But if you don't focus in on the little things and you just act as like someone else will do them, then you're going to fail in your leadership. Leadership is not just about vision and ideas. It's about the grit of accomplishing the task at hand. Maybe this is why St. Paul tells him, you need to train yourself for holiness. This is in verse seven. He says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. What a refreshing statement that is in our world of exercise and sports and fitness. St. Paul's saying that has some value. It has some value. But train yourself for godliness because that has even more value and is valuable here and in the life to come. But the thing that fascinates me the most about this is just that St. Paul's insisting that Timothy train, that he look upon his life and his ministry as something that he has to conquer and fortify himself for. Because the temptation to take your eye off the ball, especially when you're under fire and in times of conflict, and to stop doing the simple hard thing in order to do the, 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 the easy and the immediate thing, this is going to be an overwhelming temptation. And so St. Paul keeps coming back to it like a trip hammer. Timothy, you need to stay focused on this. Teach the truth. Train yourself for godliness and, and teach the truth. Now, you aren't necessarily called to be bishops, right? Like you're not here today because you're feeling the call to be bishop. You have families, you have businesses. Your call is a different one than all of this kind of like very religious type of speak. But the lesson remains the same. 
for us who are leaders, especially those who are following Christ, we need to focus ourselves on the one most important thing that our leadership provides. And I know your leadership provides 30 different things and you've got to spin those different plates, you know, all the time and juggle all those balls all the time because you have to constantly be doing everything. But the genius of a leader is that ability to feel what's the one thing that's holding everything back or the one thing that makes the group or community or organization work at its best and to never lose sight of that one thing, be it communication, be it order, be it execution, be it celebration, be it this particular product or this particular method or this particular machine. The leader knows and their, our job is to get to that success and the long-term and the big picture, we need to focus in and never lose sight of this small task, this small element. And to drill into that requires a training of mind that frankly, I think the Bible really helps us to do. Because sometimes we think that that, that, uh, that way of thinking is somehow ineffective, that somehow we should be focusing in on bigger pictures or that we, we could be successful if only we didn't, you know, if we ignored the basic fundamental law of leadership, which is focus, and we just throw ourselves after everything that comes our way. And it's the same thing when it comes to the family. Wouldn't it be amazing if you were able to kind of touch the genius of your family, harness that special spirit, that unique attitude that's present amongst all the family members. If you knew how to lead your family, I mean, just let's just be blunt about it. If you, to actually lead people, you need to see what they have that keeps them going together. And that allows each one of them to flourish and to give the best of themselves. And then you never let that go. Your job is to guard that common spirit. And that common spirit is guarded in ways that are simple. I mean, let's just face it. It takes a lot of intelligence to be a leader. It's not necessarily book smarts. It's that we call it an instinct, but it's more than that. It's an insight into what a group will require to be successful. And then the discipline, the training St. Paul talks about here to focus in and not lose sight or let go of that success no matter what. And St. Paul's encouraging you, train yourself for this. It won't be easy, but it's necessary. And not just for worldly success, but also for the leadership he's asking for from you of this culture to use your intelligence, to focus in on what's effective and to not let it go. This is the grit of the leader. This is the steadfast leadership that St. Timothy is called to give, and you and I are called to do the same too. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.